Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to episode two of What Happened to You. I'm here with my buddy, Alex Cunningham. He is the host of Life is Cooler with AC, which is his own YouTube podcast, uh, YouTube series. And uh, I'm a big watcher of it, and you should be too. So I uh, welcome to the pod, man. Thank you. As Sebastian said, I do um, Life is Cooler with AC because obviously that is me so um and in case you can't tell these are that's what these shirts are alex came prepared with some uh merch so we've got our ac shirts on we look like a couple of couple of movers so yeah for those of you that saw the first episode of the pod thanks for watching means a lot and we're gonna kind of keep going with this theme of whatever happened to you and uh alex has quite the story that we'll hop into i was thinking maybe we just start from how we met each other okay. initially yeah which was Flappers comedy Flappers Comedy Club. So Flappers has these auditions every Wednesday Dude, that that I you can have to audition. What do you mean? I never auditioned. How did you get the show? What are you talking about? <laughs> so uh, I did stand up in Indiana one yeah. time, and it was terrible. And so I moved out here to pursue acting and and comedy. And uh, I had been out here for like a year. And then uh, my wife was like, "Are you ever gonna like do stand up again?" And I hadn't done stand-up for four years. So at one time, four years. Like, so that's the, the scale of how prepared I was. Before and the Flapper show. Before Flappers, You hadn't yeah. done stand-up in four years. And I only did it one time. And, yeah. So I was like, you know what? How do you get into doing stand-up comedy in L.A.? So I sent an email and said, hey, guys, uh, I'm Alex Cunningham from Indiana, and I've done stand-up before, and I would love to be on a show. They said, done. Here's your date. Here's your time slot. <laughs> then I found out that everybody What? What do you mean, dude? Well, that's sick, first of all, that you were able to <laughs> finagle that. For all of the regular folk, the, the normal stand-ups out there, we have to do auditions <laughs> that are on Wednesdays, and uh, depending on how you do, they'll book you on various different shows that they have, and the one that we were on was the Uncle Clyde's Comedy Contest. A lot of stand-ups do it, and Flappers is a, a fun place to perform at. It's incredible, and guess who won second place? Your boy, Sebastian. It's true. He's funny as fuck. Thank you. Right back at you. <laughs> Thank you. Shout out to Chase, by the way. Chase oh, O'Donnell. Yeah. Phenomenal. She got first place in that contest. And then in the next round, we... So the top two from the first round go to the... Super Bowl, which is like the semifinals or maybe the quarterfinals, I'm not sure. But Chase also won that one. We were on the same show for that too. That's awesome. And she, uh, yeah, she's a killer. Yeah. You heard that I wrote that stand up the night before and finished it that day. Well, I remember you telling me that, and I was like, this guy's full of shit. No, no, for real. <laughs> but I be now I believe it. The fact that's crazy. Every dude. time that I do a, a show, like, I don't like to repeat anything that I do. So I'm like, you know what? Let's scrap it all. And then, like, I'll go back and read, like, old jokes that I've written, you know, like, four years ago. And I'm like, this is all trash. Oh, so yeah. What can I talk about now? Oh, dude, old jokes. Old jokes are tough. Yeah. Tough to look <laughs> yeah. at. I mean, that's, oof. I think about some of my old jokes and I just didn't know, I didn't know how to make, um, 
molestation funny i mean i still i'm still trying to figure it out that's a tough one yeah and i remember the the first joke that i ever told was something to the effect of i think fuck i think i think child porn should be legal because molesters have no way to know if they actually like molesting kids (laughs) other than doing it so if we could just have a couple of kids <laughs> volunteer, <laughs> bite the bullet. Listen, man, I would do it if I could go back. I mean, I'm past my prime. <laughs> but You've peaked. I've peaked. I'm definitely not of yeah of interest anymore to the molester community. But well, I mean, I wouldn't be so sure. I'm kind of interested. Hey, <laughs> listen. I, 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 I was wondering the other day, like, if any molesters have watched any of this stuff. Probably not yet, but it'll happen eventually. Oh, funny story. I'm going to throw my wife under the bus here. So uh, she's dealing with something right now, mm. and she shared your post, you know, uh, because there are certain people who are not ready to admit what has happened. Oh, yeah. So she shared it, like, as a jab, you know, like, and, like saying, no matter, like, what happens to you or somebody you know, you know, like, always listen because, and she put, like, all kinds of st- statistics because oh, my, yeah. my wife is thorough, you know. Sure. And uh, so the people that she's super close with that are not believing what she what happened, you know, 20 years ago and has been brought up recently they want nothing to do with this post. Mm-hmm. So people who are in this situation on the the giving end, like I don't know if there's really receiving end on <laughs> this situation. Oh, there's a receiving end. <laughs> but but, uh, <laughs> but but they are not happy. Yeah. Like so, they are seeing it and they're not enthused at all. Well, yeah, man, it's uh, it's a weird. Well, first of all tell your wife thank you for sharing that i appreciate it uh it's it's weird because it's it's one of those things where you know i didn't know how people were gonna how what the response was gonna be i I had no idea but it's one of those things that people aren't really comfortable sharing most of the time because it's not it's just a weird uh, so many people have reached out to me individually which has been amazing uh i was recording a video today about it just trying to thank everybody for who has reached out to me and has given me all this positive feedback oh yeah but in terms of like things that you share (laughs) it's like it's not exactly yeah yeah it's a weird it's a weird thing and i'm still trying to figure out how to navigate navigate that front but um yeah man it's it's been so cool and i hope that whatever your wife is going through she's uh she's okay she's got you so she'll be all right i definitely appreciate it but i do know like when she watched that because um i was on vacation when you posted that just got back yesterday and uh, i sent her this video and she watched it like all you know like one shot like writing me updates did you hear this did you see that can you believe this happened and then like i think it hit home because like every situation you know where uh he was on the on the ground and then this happened and and then she was like that is exactly what happened so i think that it hit so close to home and made her feel comfortable in the fact that she's not alone oh my god that's i'm so glad to hear that yeah that's and that's literally exactly what i'm going for yeah and it's working oh yeah well and this is one thing that i talked about in the video that i made today but the people of the people that have reached out it's been a huge range of people who are just you know being super nice and complimentary and stuff all the way to people that have been molested or have been through something some sort of trauma that just whatever it is that 
reach out and just say, hey, man, like I, I've been through something similar. Yeah. Uh, but of those people, there were three people so far who have reached out and said that they were molested and that it was their first time ever telling anyone. Wow. And that That's incredible, I know. I was like so excited about it. So glad that people feel comfortable talking about exactly. it and reaching like, out. You gave that to somebody. You gave them the confidence that they needed because, like, uh, being somebody who I've dealt with something similar, you know, myself, but mm -hmm. like not nothing to that extent. Like, it's not even worth mentioning that because it's such a minute scale. You know. Oh, uh, I mean, I would, I would, I think that people have a tendency to think that whatever they've gone through is not. Um, worthy or not as significant and it, it, it's not I don't think that's the right way to go about it I think yeah. whatever you've went through is it's your I mean it's yeah. it's, it's like, part of who you are and it, it's not it's not it's not unimportant because you didn't get molested no you know no, what I'm I mean saying, I'm saying like it, it was a similar situation to molestation but it was like somebody my age like a cousin okay because he was molested so he was just like acting out the shit that that he knew right still like it makes me be like nah oh yeah <laughs> no thanks oh yeah you know? well they they uh after we went to trial and stuff uh a friend of mine <laughs> a friend of, i've been trying to figure out how to make this a joke but <laughs> a friend of mine reached out and was like hey man like just so you know this is when we were 11 now at this age and he's like hey man i just want you to know that once you get molested you have a 33 percent higher chance of becoming a molester <laughs> what thank you that's awesome i was like oh great good to know <laughs> what dude is that what i need to know right now i'm 11 years old and i'm fucking scarred for life not only yeah you went through all of this and also you might be into it now right yeah now you're gonna be doing the molesting you psycho dude <laughs> So intense. Shout out to Speen. That's uh, he's one of my best friends. Um, <laughs> Through it all, you guys have, have you molested him? Nah, not yet. <laughs> Maybe one day. Thirty-three percent <laughs> chance it's still gonna happen. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah. So, so, so we met to shift gears now back to that day yes. the, the recording that i put out and you have a recording as well from that show as well so check that out on youtube uh but that was the show that we met at and you came up to me afterwards yes and that was when i first learned about your parents correct yeah so um we i don't remember how i drank a little bit during that show, so oh, yeah. I don't remember exactly what happened. Yeah. But, um, so I think I was talking to you about how it was so uh, inspiring that you used a real traumatic event because, like, I like to talk about my real life and, like, things that happened. Like, I had never really talked about, you know, like, any, like, deep shit that had happened. So it got me think. well, no, it didn't. You got me thinking about how to actually incorporate, you know, like, I guess we should probably tell them both of my parents are dead. Uh, <laughs> both suicide. So, um, mm -hmm. how to incorporate this into my jokes? Because like I've always made jokes about it, like on Facebook and you know, like just in person. So, mm -hmm. like in high school, I had this teacher. Uh, she was the volleyball coach. So you know, this big, uh, big woman. And uh, I would be standing like somewhere in in school, anywhere, you know, like next to another teacher, and she'd come up and like smack me in the face. And, like, everybody in my school knew my situation because, you know, it's so bizarre. She would smack you in the face. Yeah. Like, like this teacher would come and, like, slap me in the face and be like, have your parents call me about that. Oh, wait. 
What? Fucking hysterical. <laughs> what the fuck? Dude, that's like low-key child abuse. <laughs> like physical and emotional. <laughs> but it's like, it's such a, a, a funny subject. You know, if, if you can, if you can target it properly, just yeah. like molestation. Oh yeah. You know, like there's so much like uh, to be had there. Yeah. But you you've got to kind of figure out how to get into it. You can't just be like, oh, your parents are dead. You're fucking lame. You know, like. Oh yeah, that that wouldn't work. My God, something like that hurt. Yeah. So, well, that's a bummer. I fortunately didn't have any teachers you know fucking <laughs> making fun of me for it <laughs> but uh, in probably in the bathroom with some dude <laughs> that would be tough that would be tough i feel like i feel like i i'm the same way in that i was always making jokes about it with my family yeah. growing but that was it wasn't like I wasn't talking about it publicly. Like people, I think people, people knew about it. Like where I'm from, it was like a pretty tight knit community and people obviously knew a lot of people had to do the trial. A lot of people had to testify, but it wasn't, um, it wasn't something that people were openly joking about. (laughs) Yeah. But But, I think I've always kind of just been like an open book. Like, you know, life is what it is and like fucking move on or, you know, like stand still. And I'm not about standing still at all. For sure. So, um, it has always been like a coping mechanism as well. You know, like um, I have a fake birthday on Facebook mm-hmm. and like all these people write, you know, like happy birthday. I hope you had a great day. You know, just tons of love. So then at, at the end of it all, I, I put on there, I said, everybody, you know, I just I really want to thank everyone for my birthday wishes. Uh, my parents came over, tons of gifts. <laughs> it was phenomenal. They know me so well. Yeah. And like so many people are just like, this is so wrong. But it's just so right. Well, this is so. This is a pretty good example of, of uh, I don't know what what to call it. But after after when we started talking, after I did my set, and I think it was you, me, Perry, and Rebecca. Yes. Rebecca uh, Mullaney and uh, Perry Grown, who are two homies, Phenomenal. also killing it in comedy. You should check them out. And we were, I think it's just the chair. <laughs> You're good. So Perry and the two of us and Rebecca were all in a little circle talking. And you said uh, what you just said about feeling like you could joke about that kind of stuff on uh, on stage after yeah. having seen my set, which was super nice of you to say. And you told us that both of your parents had committed suicide. Yeah. And within about 30 seconds, everyone in that circle was laughing about right. it. <laughs> Rebecca even said, why am I laughing about this right now? I feel like such a terrible person. Like, that's the thing. Like, that's what we do. Well, know? that's, I mean, that on, that would only happen in the green room of a comedy club. Well, it's not even a green room. It's like a hallway. But, <laughs> but hallway of flappers. Only in a, only in a group of stand-ups would people just be down. <laughs> to laugh at that immediately i remember somebody asked i think it was rebecca who asked like did they do it at the same time it's oh, like yeah. fucking no dude <laughs> right. but that's a common question hey see you later right. <laughs> yeah. hey kids we're fucking out <laughs> no like so uh just because like, i don't think i even told you like everything that happened so like some just some backstory you know like delving digging diving in yeah. uh, <laughs> um so i was seven years old when my dad killed himself Right, so um, prior to him killing himself, I would say I was 
from what I can remember, probably six, five, six, whenever, like, he really got into, like, hey, dude, just so you know, like, I'm going to kill myself, and, like, I just want you to know that, like, things are going to be cool, you know, like, you're going to be with your mom, and she's going to take care of you, and, like, my- he was, he, he told you that he was going to kill himself? Oh, yeah, yeah, because he was, like, uh, he was preparing me, you know, like, sure. uh, what's that word, um, you used it, where you're, like, you're, you're getting somebody ready for something to happen? Uh, 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 yeah, prepare. <laughs> prepare's, prepare's good. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, no, he was just like, uh, he, he was making sure that I was ready, you know? Like, he always told me, like, don't cry at my funeral, you know? Like, just, just be happy. Like, it'll be cool. So guess what? I was seven years old and did not cry at my dad's funeral. Just Respect. because, like, that was what he wanted, hmm. you know? So... Why um, do you think he wanted that? Uh, because, I don't know, I think my dad was, like, afraid of showing weakness. And, hmm. like, I think that's why I've kind of, like, grown up to, like find humor in things and like not show weakness you know mm. you like how things got super serious all this time? hey that's part of it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> believe it or not 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 all conversations about suicide are hilarious <laughs> <laughs> i guess it's who you're having them with. yeah yeah that's right but um from the time that i was you know a young kid you know and then to him him killing himself like i think i did a lot of growing you know did a lot of learning about life and death mm. and um then my mom was a, like a terrible mom, mm. you know, like, like she cheated on my dad all the time and like would leave us and like go be with other people mm. all the time. So, um, I remember, and I, I think it's probably one of like my hardest memories to like, like dig back into was, uh, I was sitting with my dad and he was on his a couch. We were watching some movie and like, you remember back in the nineties, whenever movies would like, uh, they ended and then like the screen went blue. You know, remember that? <laughs> Kinda. <laughs> How old are you? Twenty-four. <laughs> but uh, sure. So, so like a VHS, whenever like it ended, it would like. Oh shit! I remember that. No, oh, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My bad. Fuck. Didn't mean to date you. <laughs> so, um, like, it was just blue. Like everything, all the lights were off and everything, and like it was just blue. And like I could just see him crying, you know. And I was like, "What's wrong?" You know. And he's like, "Your mom." Like, so I just remember, like, my mom was doing this to my dad, who was, like, my hero, you know, like, the strongest person I had ever seen in my life. So uh, then for him to finally, you know, like, kill himself, like, it wasn't over my mom. My, my dad had been suicidal since he was, like, 13, you know? Really? Yeah. Like, super, uh, super deep. So he had Crohn's disease, which um, is an autoimmune disease. It's an intestinal disease. I don't know if you know much about Crohn's disease. I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease for three days. <laughs> Three days. I don't want to get off topic. It's a story for another time. But now, so I'm interested. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. So I, I just uh, I got hospitalized in San Francisco, and the doctor thought I had appendicitis, and then uh -huh. he thought, and then he was like, "No, you definitely have Crohn's." And so went and got checked out by a Crohn's doctor, whatever uh -huh. that gastrointestinal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he was like, "Nah, man, that guy has no idea what well, he's see, talking about." So I don't have Crohn's, but I had it for three days. But <laughs> please continue. Awesome. It's a totally unnecessary piece of information I had. <laughs> so then whenever my dad died at seven like my mom was okay you know like as, as a person or as a mom not as a person she was a fucking terrible person <laughs> but, but, sure. but uh so when she died or when he died she kind of like went off the deep end you know because like she didn't have gary to fall back on because no matter what bad things would happen in her life she'd always pick up the phone and my dad would be right there to fix it because, like, that's who my dad was. My dad didn't care what it took. He fixed problems. Other people's problems. He couldn't fix his own. So, um, after he 
after he died, she got into meth really bad. Mm. Yeah, so meth and parenting don't really coincide. (laughs) I know some people will try and convince you that it does. It doesn't. So um, after I was like seven, um, I started bouncing around a lot. You know, like uh, I went and I lived with my dad's brother in Florida for a little bit because my mom didn't want me. She sent, you know, sent me and my brother away there. And then how old is your brother? He's a year older than I am. And then um, we ended up going back with her. And then I, I went and lived. So I ran away at like ten years old. Mm-hmm. Like she, uh, I'm gonna get like super like all these details. So this is gonna be a. Lot I love of it. Shit. Yeah, all ears, so, man. <laughs> so um, let me bring this a little bit closer to you. Am I? Oh, it fell. I think you. I think you're good, but just in case. I think it's good. Okay. So. Um, so you ran away. Yeah, when I was 10 years old because I had a one of my friends was over at my house and uh, my mom lived in the basement, you know, as most meth, meth addicts do. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and um, I wanted to go somewhere and she said no, so I got pissed off because I had a bad temper. So she told my friend, she's like, he's not worth the skin he produces. So I'm like, you know what? Screw this. I'm going to take off walking. So I took off walking and uh, I'm from Terre Haute, Indiana, which is a very small town. It's like... Uh, like 16 square miles but there's an airport which is like out in the county so i was walking down past this airport at 10 years old you know and this old man comes driving by and he's like hey so uh I please saw tell it. me you didn't get molested <laughs> no, no, that's what everybody was concerned with though. that'd be too much man double double parental suicide is enough dude <laughs> no he's like i saw i saw you walk and i was going to get uh milk for my wife and i see you're still here can i give you a ride somewhere and i was like well my family lives like in the next town over which is like 16 miles away so give me a ride so he's like yeah man sure so then uh, I'm in this car, and then I was like, you know what? Never mind. Drop me off at my cousin's house, who's like three miles away. So he did that. So then I lived with my cousin for a while, who was also addicted to meth. Mm. So I realized that probably wasn't a good idea either. Mm-hmm. So then I... What was your brother doing at this time? My brother always, like, stayed with his friends. Okay. You know? But, like, he, my mom treated my brother super well, mm. you know, for the most part. Like, like... It, as as good as you could. Yeah, you know, yeah. On meth. Yeah. But so I, I also have a little brother, but by this time his dad had already taken him because he was like, "Nah, like this is a, a disaster." Mm-hmm. You know, so like we got to get him out of the situation. So um, I end up going back to my mom's, and then I go with my mom's brother because I'm like, you know what? This is a better idea because like I just did not get along with my mom at all, you know, because like she would like hold me down on the ground and like spit in my face and be like, you're just like your father, most hated person in Terre Haute, Indiana. Damn. Yeah. So, you know, like she was she was rough. Mm -hmm. So um, I went to live with her little brother and uh, turns out he also was addicted to meth. So, it's a weird Straight circle. up Breaking Bad. Yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. But, like, they didn't make any money or anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were the consumers. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. So, um, I ended up going back with my mom. And then, uh, toward the end of it, she uh, she got super bad, you know? Like, my mom was a sleaze. Like, she'd sleep with anybody and everybody. And, like, mm-hmm. she was always, like, she would take off gone for, like, three days. And we were living with her boyfriend. So she would take off gone, and we'd just be like, well, that's cool. So, like, what are we going to do now? Fend for yourself. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's never any food or anything. Like and this that. is, like, ten. Yeah, between like, seven and ten? Right. Right. Exactly. So, um, I, th- so I got hit by a car, uh... 
<laughs> February of 06. Sure. So that's what all of these scars. I went through a windshield. Damn. Like, laid me open. and So um, my mom met me at the scene because um, I had to be taken to the hospital and everything. I didn't break anything. Like, I just flew up in the air and, like, so my arm went through the windshield. My body, like, started doing this, like, weird roll over the top. And, like, I landed on the pavement. And then I didn't break anything, though, which was incredible. But um, I had to get a couple stitch or a couple staples. But <clears throat> I'm getting so dry. I'm gonna take a drink. Hey, yeah, you went through the windshield. Oh, yeah. yeah, car crash. So, right. So uh, I saw my mom. My mom went to the hospital with me, and uh, she didn't cry, but she was like emotional, mm-hmm. you know. And like this was the first time, you know, and like all of my, well, all of my 11 years that I ever like saw my mom get like emotional over me actually false there was one good memory i have of my mom one all right of all of this time that you know like we've been i had been alive with her so this is my favorite memory of my mom uh whenever i used to when i would get scared like after my dad died i think i probably had a lot of nightmares and stuff you know as as one would oh yeah so um she would come and like uh me and my brother had bunk beds we shared the same room and i was always on the bottom bunk and uh, she would lay there, and like if my stomach hurt, or you know, like if I stressed out, or like couldn't sleep, so you hear my stomach. Yeah. She would sing, um, uh, "Sunshine." What is that? Uh, not my little son. I got sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> of course, as, as soon as I try and play, yeah, yeah, you're good. Uh, you are my sunshine. Yeah. My only sunshine. You make me happy. So she would rub my stomach, you know, like until I fell asleep. Mm-hmm. And, like that's the best memory I ever had of my mom because the rest of the time, you know, she was just being so aggressive. So um, it really it surprised me whenever I, she showed, you know, like some, some sort of care, you know, whenever I got hit by the car. But then not too long after. So she died in June. So this was February. So you're talking four months later. So um, we're gonna get into that night. You ready? This is this shit is is deep. Ready. So um, the night before we we went to this lake um, and it was like a, a drainage lake for um, Interstate seventy. So it was just like this little dirty ass lake that um, was in Terre Haute, and uh, we had a, a tent and you know like a little campfire and stuff. It was her, her boyfriend, uh, myself, and I think there was like one other friend or something there, you know, and. Uh, Something happened, like I got pissed off at her because, you know, it happened a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, I walked home, which was like three miles, which is not bad. But when you're 11, three miles is a long time. Oh, yeah. You know? So I walked home and I got my bicycle and I rode back. And then I was like, okay, you know, whatever. So then she was like, hey. And I didn't know she did drugs at this time. She was like, hey, just so you know, like I'm going to smoke some of this weed. And uh, just so you know, I have never even tried weed. Like I, I don't do any drugs. Like through all of this stuff, I'm just like clean and sober you know mm. and i think it's because of her because she's like i'm gonna smoke some of this weed and it pissed me off so we had this radio that i used to sleep with and like listen to as i was sleeping every night and i took it and i threw it in the middle of the lake and i was like fuck you you know you're you're this and that you know like i hate you and then uh the next morning she took off and she was like hey i'm gonna go pick somebody up and i'll be back so i was like okay whatever so she was gone for like five hours and we're like what's going on so again i walk home and uh I, she's at her friend's house, which is the same friend that I told you about earlier that, you know, she's, I was with when she said, oh, he's not worth the skin that he produces. Yeah. It was his mom. And, uh, they had a small little house, uh, two doors, one that goes into the living room, one that goes into the bedroom. So I could hear through the door, 
them talking and you know like so i'm banging on the door and i'm like answer the answer the door you know and uh then there's a there was a radio on and it turned up so i'm screaming you know like all this uh bullshit you know and then I run out to her car and I grab drugs that was in her car. And uh, I said, I'm taking this to Marvin, who is the state cop that lives across <laughs> the street from me. I was like, your ass is going to jail. Like, this is it. I'm done. So then finally she comes out and she's like, oh, I was sleeping. It's like, weird how you woke up to that. You yeah. Know? But so she's like, I was sleeping and uh, what do you want? You know, what do you want to do? I was like, I want you to go home and take care of your your kids like a, like a mom would. You know, I'm 11 years old trying to explain this to my mom who was 31. And she was like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, okay, let's do it. So we start walking back, and, like, she's, I don't remember what she was saying, but, like, it was enough to piss me off. And I'm like, you know what? Go back and do your drugs. Like, I'm done. Like, I had moved around so much, and I'm like, that's it. Like, I'm not coming back. Like, you've you've lost all of my respect, and, like, I don't want you as a parent anymore at all. So I took off running, and I beat her home, and I locked all the doors. Well, she broke a window in the basement, because uh, we all have basements in um, Indiana, and uh, she got in there, and then I remember, uh, I, sl- I always slept on the couch, so I remember laying on the couch, and like she walked by me to go to the bathroom, and then I, that was it, and then I fell asleep. And then I woke up to um, her boyfriend coming in, because he was still at that lake, <laughs> like throughout his whole day, he was still at the lake. And um, then he goes downstairs, and he starts screaming, so I'm like, oh shit, somebody probably broke in. And then I heard my brother screaming, and like, you didn't mess with my brother, you know, like that's just not what you did. So I jumped up and I'm like, I'm ready to beat somebody's ass. Cause like, I've always stuck up for my brother, you know, like. And you're 10, 11? Yes. 11. So I try and grab whatever I can. Cause I'm like, I'm gonna beat the shit out of somebody if they're messing with my brother, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, my brother meets me at the top of the stairs and he's like, you, you gotta go get, uh, you gotta go get Marvin. So I'm like, okay, you know, like what's going on? He's like, you gotta go get Marvin. So uh, I just, I am. What is happening? You know, like, why am I going to get Marvin? He's like, our mama hung herself. I'm like, oh, shit. So, like, I hit the um, refrigerator, like, with my shoulder as hard as I could. And I'm going on beating on this state cop's door at 4 o'clock in the morning. Nothing. You know, ringing the doorbell, beating on it, screaming. Nothing. So, I run down to a friend of mine's house. And she, I wake her up. And she's like, what's going on? And she thought I said my mom hurt herself. So she's like, it's okay. Just relax, you know. Everything's going to be fine. So she calls 911. And, like, they're, they're right, you know, they're on their way. So then in the meantime, which I didn't know this at the time, but my brother was actually cutting my mom down, like, from the from the rafters that she hung herself. And he's a year older than me, so he was 12. Maybe he had already turned 13. You know, but like, that's one thing that like, no matter like what happens in life, like if my brother is like a turd, if he turns out to be great, like regardless, like nobody will ever be able to take that away from him. You know, the fact that like he, he protected me from that, like would not let me go downstairs to like see my mom, you know, or like help. Wow. Yeah. So like imagine being 13 and like, like making that conscious decision, like I'm going to save my brother from having to see this. It's an insane level of maturity for of that age. Yeah. And fuck, man. That's next level. Yeah. So, and so. It, uh, my brother was sleeping on a couch that they were behind the couch. So downstairs, it was a full basement. So it was all open, just a big square. Mm-hmm. So they had hung a sheet behind the couch where my brother was sleeping. And my mom decided to go stand on the dryer i think it was and use telephone cord to hang herself from a rafter so when her boyfriend came in i'm getting all this after the fact you know like 
yeah. you know, they, they start telling me the stories. And he came in and he walked around the sheet and he's like, Sherry, like, what are you doing? You know, like, why are you hiding? Why are you in the dark? So he turned the light on and, you know, obviously saw what was happening and started screaming. Mm. So then my brother woke up, saw what was happening and started screaming. So now you can kind of paint this picture of, you know, like what was happening, you know, me sleeping in the house upstairs and then what's going on downstairs, you know, uh, for this whole situation. So um, we end up going to, you know, like after she, um, they come and she was dead, you know, like she she was gone. Mm-hmm. So after they came and got her and, you know, uh, we went to her mom's house, which her mom didn't raise her or anything. Like, I think that's why she was like kind of goofed, you know, from the start was because like she had a shitty childhood. Like, I, well, I don't want to say she had a shitty childhood because she had a great childhood. Her aunt raised her, which was phenomenal. Like her aunt was so good to her. Mm. But um, you, you just don't get the love that you're looking for. When, yeah. You know, whenever you're brought up by somebody like other than your parents. You know, because you're, you're, sure. you're always looking for that. And, like, no matter how much love is given to you, it's just, it's not the same. You know, like, I can speak from experience because, guess what? She passed that on to me. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and it, it's funny. One thing that, like, she was always super mad about my dad, she was like, this son of a bitch killed himself when you guys were little kids and didn't even leave a note. Didn't even leave a note to say why he did it, you know, what was going on. Guess what she did not do? <laughs> she did not leave a note. You know, so it's just, it's funny how, you know, like things play out that way. So, um, how much are you wanting to know? As much as you want to say, man, this is wild. So, so, um, I then, uh, I stay with, uh, my mom's mom for a little bit and my brother's smart, you know? So my brother says, you know what? I'm going to go to Florida with like my dad's family, you know, like I'm going to go live with grandma for a while. Mm. And my dad's mom was great, you know? Um, so my brother got on a plane, but he didn't, the people that we were staying with, my mom's mom, they're shitty people. Mm. So they all wanted, we got social security, you know, from your parents being deceased, uh, the government pays, you know, to help raise you. So they all wanted that money. So my brother was like, Hey, I'm just going to go on vacation. Like, I'm just going to go see my grandma in Florida. And they're like, Oh yeah, no, no big deal. You know, go, she's buying you the plane ticket. We don't care. So then uh, my brother goes to Florida and I'm like, I'll catch you, you know, later. Like I'll, I'll meet up with you here shortly. Um, I just wasn't done yet. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I knew where my life was going and I wasn't ready to let go yet. So, um, I stayed a little bit longer for about two weeks longer, I think. And my grandma and my mom's mom that I was with, she ended up getting a letter saying custody has been filed for Orion. And she was like, what is this? She's like, now you're not going to Florida so because she didn't want to lose custody of me because nobody had custody of me. Like when that happens, you become a ward of the state. So somebody has to file for custody and like you have to go to through a custody, you know, hearing and all of that stuff. So my grandma in Florida filed for my brother, but then my grandma in Indiana was like, I'm not going to let you go. Like mm. you're staying here, you know? So I was like, okay, cool. I don't want to go anyway. You know, like what the hell? Why would I want to uproot my life? Like I got all my friends here and everything. Oh yeah. So um, <clears throat> I got on my bicycle, same bicycle. Um, <laughs> and uh, I rode to a gas station because, you know, I, like I just had a birthday. So I, um, my great aunt, the one who raised my mom, always gave me like 20 bucks for my birthday. So I rode to the gas station and I bought a Coke and uh, used the change to call on the payphone because, you know, that was still a thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I called Florida and I was like, hey, so like they just got this letter that you guys are trying to get Orion, so they're not going to let me go. And they're like, well, you know, we don't really know what to do because I'm calling my uncle at this time. And uh, 
he was like, well, why don't you call your grandma? You know, like she's the one who's who's handling all of this shit. So I already had a plane ticket bought for like two weeks after this situation. And uh, so I call grandma and I'm like, grandma, listen, like they're not going to let me go now because, you know, you filed for Orion. And she's like, what do you want me to do? I said, well, I, I kind of want to go. <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah. And uh, so she's like, all right, I'm going to buy you a ticket for tomorrow morning. Can you get to Indianapolis tomorrow morning? Which is, you know, keep in mind, like. 100 miles away and I'm on my bicycle and I'm 12 years old <laughs> yeah. and so I'm like yeah yeah I can you know so she's like let me make a couple phone calls can I call you back at this payphone?" and I'm like yeah you can so I'm sitting here and then you know she calls me back and she says hey so somebody which was a friend of your dad's is going to pick you up drive you or take you to their house you're going to stay the night and then you're going to be on a plane in the morning to Florida so, okay, cool. So I go and I stay with my dad's friend, spend the night on his son's floor. And then in the morning, I have the clothes on my back and I'm on a plane to Florida. So I get to Florida and I'm staying with my grandma. Uh, I'm there for about six months and then she gets sick. Like she gets a cold, you know, kind of the flu. Mm -hmm. So she goes to the doctor and she's like, man, I don't feel good. You know, my grandma was not a complainer. Like she would not go to the doctor, but she, she felt so bad, you know. One of the last conversations I remember having with my grandma was, uh, I feel like an elephant sitting on my chest. Like, okay, well, that's, that's not good. You know, mm -hmm. like, like you should probably be checked out for that. So she goes to the doctor and they say, it's the flu. Okay. So then she goes to another doctor. They say, uh, let's run a couple more tests. So then she goes to the hospital, gets uh, admitted to the hospital, finds out she's got leukemia. Damn. Dies four days later. So here I am, 12 years old, homeless again, not knowing where to go because I just moved to Florida after my mom dies to try and get a new start and then my grandma dies. So it's like, if you like living, don't get too close because some shit's going to happen. Oh, because when my dad died, I had just, he had finally gotten custody of me. He had never had custody of me oh. and then he had just gotten custody. It was my first day of school and, uh, he took. He asked me if I wanted him to walk me to the bus stop, and I was like, "No, I was seven years old." I was like, "No, nah, I don't want the other kids to make fun of me." You know, yeah, my dad. Classic. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So he's like, "All right, buddy. You know, see you later." And then like never saw him again. You know, he went and killed himself like that day. So it's it's like don't get close because bad shit's gonna happen. But damn, dude. So everybody has always told me that I should like write a movie about my life because it's like worse than Hollywood can come up with. You know? And it's like, I don't know if that's true, but it's definitely bizarre. It's so interesting to hear about and it's so unbelievable. Yeah. It's such a wild series of events and the, the timing of it all is so crazy. Outrageous. And I think it's really cool that you, despite everything that, you said about your mom and everything that happened with your mom, you have that memory yeah. of her One. singing to you. Yeah. And I think that's really important in, in no matter what you go through. Yeah. It's important to always remember the good things about it. Yeah. And uh, I felt the same way with my friend. Yeah. Uh, and it was like, despite getting molested, I had some of the best times of my life with him. And yeah, that's why you didn't want to lose your friend. Exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. didn't want to lose the friendship. Yeah. And I feel like that's important. Like, especially being young, you know, like life moves so quickly. Like when you're young, you think like, man, this is, all, you know, I'm never going to turn 16. I'm never going to get to drive. I'm never going to, <laughs> yeah. but it's like, it moves so quickly, yeah. you know? So if you don't hold on to some of those like great things that actually happen, even if they're not great things, like 
they are. You yeah. Know, when you look back, because like that, just that tiny situation. So you know, like I have Crohn's disease, so I spend many many nights in the hospital from time to time. Mm. You know, and something that my wife does whenever I'm not feeling good, I'll let you take one guess. Belly rub and sing that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you know, like it's awesome. Yeah, it's just it's it's little things like that that kind of like make. Situate, you know, like obviously these are bigger than situations. These are like what mold. There you go. That's the mm, word I was looking for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Molding. This is what's molded me and my life. You know, so like those tiny little gestures of compassion, they're so comforting. Yeah. You know, even when they're far and few in between, you know, like it, it is really nice to just have something to look back on and know that like maybe there was hope in there. You know, like maybe it wasn't as bad as I remember. You know, it's just sometimes the bad, unfortunately, outweighs the good. Mm-hmm. But you always have to find the good within the bad. Couldn't agree more. Dude, I mean, it, it's, it, it does sound like a movie. It's such a crazy... I mean, what do you, what do you think to yourself? Just, I mean, obviously your dad said that this was going to happen. But yeah. what is going on in your head when you're seven? And I know you said your mom hung herself. Did your dad do the same? No. um, So my dad, which is really funny how my dad did this because, like, my dad loved certain things. You know, like, my dad was a very – I think my brother is super intelligent. So little – we're going to sidestep here. Mm -hmm. My brother went and took – he joined the Air Force. And he placed in, like, the 97th percent. So, like, super intelligent, I think, is how that would be. Or is it the third percent? I don't know. Either way. 97th, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, super yeah. intelligent. So, they were, like, yeah. uh, chemical engineering. Like, you're going to make, like, the A-bomb. You know? They're, like, you're that smart. So, I think he got that from my dad because my dad was super intelligent. My dad could do anything and anything he wanted. He just got bored because once things were figured out, he's like, I don't need to do it anymore, you know? So he'd move on. So um, my dad, he always said, you know, like, I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to do this and do that. And he would try. But he wasn't really trying. He was like... What do you mean? Like, he would say, like, oh, I'm going to shoot myself. So he'd go and grab a shotgun and then he'd call his brother. And he'd be like, hey, Teddy, so I'm going to kill myself. I just want to tell you I love you, you know? And then my uncle would be like, you dumbass, I've got caller ID. Like, I know where you are, you know? Like, so my uncle would show up at his house and nothing would happen. Or he'd be like, hey, I just took a lot of pills. So then somebody would go rush him to the hospital, you know, because it was was always like an attention thing. So, like, when he actually killed himself, he never said a word to anybody. He Mm. called my mom and he said, hey, he called me Alice. That was my my nickname. Mm -hmm. If if he liked you, you did not go by your real name. So my name was Alice. So he said, hey, can you pick up Alice from uh, school today? So my mom was there whenever I got off school. And uh, we didn't know where he was for like two days. So she took me to school the next day and assumed everything was fine, you know. So I got off the bus and I walked to his house and I always left my bedroom window open and I, I snuck in and everything was the same. Something was just different, you know. My dad wasn't there. So it was super weird. So um, I am calling everybody trying to find out what was going on. So um, my mom ends up showing up because, you know, like, I think I called her and was like, hey, my, da- my dad's still not home. So we go back to her house and we get a phone call from, I think it was my great aunt, my dad's aunt. Mm-hmm. And she was like, we found your dad. And I was like, okay, you know, where is he? Well, he's dead. Okay. So my dad went to his mom's house and my grandpa's house, which I told you my grandpa passed away at the beginning of the year. It was, it was this grandpa. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, he went into their garage 
and he was working on his friend's car. He went into the garage and he had bought me this uh, Scooby-Doo sleeping bag. I loved Scooby-Doo as a kid. Like, Scooby-Doo was my jam. Oh, yeah. So, uh, a Scooby-Doo sleeping bag. He had a camel cigarette in his mouth and a Coca-Cola next to him. And he started the car, shut all the doors and windows and fell asleep. You know, just, just never woke up. Because he wanted to be surrounded by the things that he loved the most. You know, so he had his mom because it was her house. He had a stepdad, which was my grandpa Fred. He had me, which was my Scooby Doo blanket. He had his camel cigarettes and he had Coca Cola because that motherfucker never drank anything other than Coca Cola. So he just he went out, you know, just peacefully, just just fell asleep and, and never uh, woke up. So um, he went easy. My mom did not. <laughs> my dad was a little bit smarter than my mom. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you had the choice, I, uh... <laughs> yeah, which would you choose? I'd probably choose Scooby-Doo. <laughs> You're never going to watch Scooby-Doo the same. Definitely not, yeah. And and so, fuck, man, that's so wild. So so you you find that out, and how does that make you feel? Like Good. Good? You know, like, I knew that he loved me, you know, and I have a hard time telling people I love them. You know, I just, mm -hmm. it's not something I do because those were the last words I ever spoke to my father because my dad was always really good about saying, you know, like, I love you, buddy. Hey, buddy, I love you, you know, this and that. So, um, I remember, uh, another funny story. Whenever I was mad as a kid, uh, I always slept in his bed and uh, he had this big water bed that me and my brother decided to stab one night because of his crazy girlfriend I was like, that'd be a good idea. So pissed him off. But so then we got this normal bed. So anytime he made me mad, I would be talking that shit about, I'm going to kill myself. I would always go sleep at the other end and, you know, like with my back toward, turned toward him, you know, and he would, even when I was mad, he'd always be like, I love you, buddy. You know? And then like, I wouldn't say it back, but this time when I said, I, I don't want you to walk me to my bus stop, like I can still picture him, you know, like something that, that, uh, traumatic burns into your brain, you know, as I'm, I'm sure, you know, oh, yeah. so like I, I can picture him standing in the doorway and I know what clothes he was wearing and everything, mm -hmm. you know, and this was, this was a long time ago. And, uh, he said, all right, buddy, well, I love you. You know, and I said, I love you, dad. Or I said, daddy, cause you know, I wasn't no bitch. I was going to call him dad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, from that moment forward, like, after he died, like, I, I never told anybody that I loved them, you know, like, ever. I think I've told my brother, like, maybe three times in, like, our life, mm -hmm. you know, just because it, like, he, I think you become afraid of those words, you know, especially because then, like, with my mom, you know, my grandma, like I was saying, you know, like I was joking about it, but like, I was always afraid that, like, no, my, if somebody would get close to me, it's like, what's going to happen? Yeah. Because being a kid, that's what it seems like. As soon as somebody that you care about, you, like, you let them in, they go away. So you try and keep that from happening. So not only are you, like, protecting yourself, but you're, like, protecting them, too, you know? So mm. that is something that I tell my wife. It took a long time for me to tell her. You know, but like I tell her, but like I feel so bad because like I'll be talking to family and stuff and they'll be like, oh, okay, you know, love you. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> all right, see you later. So it's still, you still oh, feel yeah. that way. Yeah. I still have a hard time with it. Like I said, I've told my brother a handful of times, you know, when he would, because my brother has had a hard time with the situation. I don't want to say that my brother's like gone down like this crazy path, but my brother has gone down a different path. He got into alcohol a little bit, a little bit more than he should. I mean, he's yeah. out of it now. He's, you know, super clean and like doing great. But in those times, he had a lot of lows because he was chasing something that 
that's not there anymore. And that's that you spend your life chasing a ghost. Like mm-hmm. I still spend my life chasing this ghost. So, you know, like in those times, like I did tell him just because I never knew if that would be the last time, you know, because it, like it, it got that scary, you know, like whenever my phone would ring, me and my wife would just look at each other because we, we never knew what, what kind of phone call it was going to be. So there are a lot of situations that definitely were scary. So because of that, it, it, it made me want to say it. But yeah, no, like still, like most people, I'll be like, hey, you know, thanks. It's really interesting how these things affect development. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and how how they these uh, whether it's a lack of love or for me it was like a, a vulnerability issue. Yeah. Like I didn't I. Uh, and it, it, for both of us, I mean, we're so fortunate to have found comedy, which is uh, an outlet for that kind of stuff and a good way to, to begin dealing with things and begin yeah. processing. And um, it's crazy, man. It's it's uh, one of the things that you said that stuck with me was when you were saying about not wanting to leave Indiana uh-huh. and not wanting to move. Right. And I felt, because my parents asked me after the trial, they were like, do you want to leave? Because this guy's still going to be here. Right. And I was like, no, like, this is my whole, this is my life. Yeah, And even, even at that age, because it happened around the same time as yeah. your mom dying. Right. It's actually kind of crazy that age overlaps for us. I know. But it's it's like you even at that age, you feel so strongly about the connections that you do have. Yes. And I think that it's... While being a child and not having a full grasp of the severity of things, you still feel so connected with everything and you don't want to just give it up. Yeah. And I think it's great that you wanted to stay. Well, like, so not only, like, exactly what you're saying is 100% accurate. So, like, not only that, so, like, anything in my life, I have a hard time letting go of materialistic shit. And, like, people would think that it's like, well, you're just materialistic. It's like, no, you don't get it. Anytime that I have something, because I don't have people that I can hold on to, so I have things, mm. you know? Things are what kind of give me that that love and support that no, nobody else ever has. Things that remind you of people or just, things, just, just things? Just things. Mm-hmm. Like, so, like what? Um, like right now, um, I didn't drive it today. Um, I drove my wife's car, but I've got a, an 85 Dodge Ram pickup. All right? <laughs> cool. Weird. It's the exact same truck my dad drove when I was a kid. Weird how that happens. It's not his truck, but it's the exact same truck. So I bought this truck in Hollywood, Florida, moved out to Iowa after high school, and then that didn't work out, moved back to Florida. So at, I don't know, uh, after about almost a year of being out of high school, I contact or some girl contacted me, you know, and I started talking to her. So uh, I moved back to Indiana, and she's now my wife. So, wow. um, yeah, so she just hit you up. Well, uh, I find out that, um, I went to school with her when I was in second grade, when I was living with my mom and, uh, she, she went and she moved away and then I moved away. So she found out that my mom had died because our parents were friends and, uh, she started calling anybody in the phone book with the last name Cunningham <laughs> trying to find me. And eventually she did. Not through the phone book, but like once Facebook and like uh, MySpace and all that shit happened, she did find me, you know? So, what year is this? Uh, when? 
that that she contacted you? The first time was like 2009. Nice. But like I had a girlfriend who was like super jealous at the time. I was like, don't you ever fucking write my boyfriend again? Then like, we didn't talk. And then like a couple of years later, we started talking again. And then like that was it. And then we didn't talk for like four years, five years or something like that. And then like for my Crohn's disease, I had a surgery. So I just wrote on Facebook. I said, surgery went fine. You know, nobody cared because nobody knew that I was having a surgery. Mm. But I just, you know, was seeking attention because I was sad that I was out of surgery and the person who was even supposed to pick me up never showed up so dude i had crohn's disease for three days and i felt <laughs> so sorry for myself <laughs> what did i do to deserve this right? it's rough <laughs> so um i posted i was like yeah surgery went well so then she wrote, wrote me and was like hey uh don't don't know what you had surgery for but i'm glad that you're doing all right you know I'm like yeah you know like doing okay so we started talking 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 for a few months and then my lease was up in my apartment so i'm like what am i doing you know like i ain't got nothing going on and then my buddy he just broke up with his girlfriend he's like well i don't have shit going on either let's move to indiana and i'm like wait what and he's like yeah man let's go and i was working in a body shop at the time and he's like who cares let's just go we're young let's just do it so we did it so i go off to indiana i take two of my friends with me because they're like fuck it let's go so then uh, me and Alexis are dating and I'm living in her mom's house and then my buddies are going to follow me up uh, two months later. So Alexis, as soon as they come up, breaks up with me. So now we're in Indiana where I don't know anyone anymore because I haven't been there for over 10 years. Yeah. And so now we're all homeless living in my truck and his car. And uh, my dad's cousin luckily was like, well, you guys can like sleep in my uh in my yard <laughs> with your cars and like I can buy you a tent or something and you can shower in my house but like that's the best I can do I got a lot of kids and stuff you know? yeah so we're living like that and then we get get a job at this pizza shop and like I start seeing my boss and things are going good you know like uh life is starting to look up we're getting money we're gonna you know try and get a place together and then I get a text message one night Alexis we need to talk so I'm like shit you know like what could this possibly be about so I've got this girl sleeping in this tent at my cousin's house, and I go over to, to talk to Alexis, and uh, you know we work things out, and um, we end up getting back together, and we've been together ever since. But it's like no matter where I go, like, shit falls apart, and I end up sleeping in my fucking truck. <laughs> it's so crazy. It's like if you could ever find somebody like a role model, and like what should I do in life? find me and like do the exact opposite <laughs> you don't want that man. well i would i would strongly disagree with that because <laughs> because it's so rare to find somebody that's been through what you've went through who's able to talk about it as openly as you have today and you obviously have in the past yeah i feel like with this podcast i think it's it's so I think it can really help people to hear people talk about things like suicide, like child molestation, things that are hard to talk about and just hear people's stories and hear their perspectives. And I think it's amazing that you are as positive as you are given your past. Absolutely. And that's I mean, what what would you how do you how? <laughs> <laughs> uh, people ask me that a lot. You know, so I'm no stranger to this question. So one thing that uh, I try and do in all of my decision making, you know, is what would my dad do? Because my dad was like a great person, you know, like fun to be around. Everybody loved him. He was like the life of the party. You know, he just had this dark side. And like everybody's got a dark side, but 
he was always great at making other people happy. You know, he, he would just light up the room. Like whenever he walked in, he was just such a good time. So I always try and like, think like, what would he do? You know, how would he fix this situation? How would he make this better? In the given situation, you always try and say, this is going to be better for everyone involved. And I've just always tried to live by that because, you know, like we're a team, no matter who you are. Like if you're a human, like we're a team, like Mm. we're all fighting for the greater good of humanity, you know, just like this right now, we met each other one time, you know, we did a couple jokes together and Mm -hmm. then we chatted for, you know, 15 minutes. And now here we are. You're you. I'm all over your chest, you know, and I'm on your show and we're talking about <laughs> real life. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. It's, it's because if you're not trying to help people and trying to make them better, you don't deserve to be around, you mm. know, like if it's all, all about you and not about everything collectively, then you're wrong. Mm. Bottom line. So that I've always tried to live that way. That's cool, man. It, it comes off. Thank you. For sure. And, and like, when you think about your mindset at the time, did you feel like, was were, were you registering things? Were you registering that you weren't going to see your dad and then a few years later your mom? Were you, were you, how do you fill that hole? I know you were talking about the love of your parents is like. Yeah, you, you don't. I was 100% aware of the severity of the situation. I knew that you know, my dad wasn't coming home, you know, and like, that was a tough pill to swallow, but I knew that he was happier. Like, I'm not religious at all, but I knew that, um, if, if there were an afterlife or whatever, you know, like I've, believe it or not, you know, the, Hey, you're 30% more likely to be. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's same for suicide. I'm sure. Some, something to the, absolutely for both parents is just 100% so I had somebody come up to me a friend's mom she was religious you know and I'm I'm like what so this was when only when my dad died so I'm super young so she's like so uh, I heard your dad killed himself and I was like yeah you know she's like you know that means he's going to hell right like you can't do that you go straight to hell like taking somebody's life taking your own life you go straight to hell and I'm like this little kid, like scared shit. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, you know, at the time, like, I don't know religion. Like, I grew up in a church, you know, but I'm like, why? Why, dad? So. The- that's so, that's so dumb that somebody could <laughs> yeah. think that. It's like my friend, except at least my friend was also 11. <laughs> right, yeah. This no. person's grown. This was my friend's mom. <laughs> I was staying at his house for the night. So now I'm just petrified. Like, I picture my dad burning in hell for all of his eternity. <laughs> and he's like, hey, you want to play Halo? And I'm like, no. Like, how am I going to play Halo to that? <laughs> and my dad doesn't Jesus. have a Halo. How do I? Yo, some people are silly. And that's probably her just having things that she hasn't processed probably. and dealt with. And I've been trying to look at situations like that more giving people the benefit of the doubt yeah and like you have to. yeah because it's like you're probably not trying to she's probably not trying to make you feel she doesn't want to make you feel this is internal for right, herself yeah, exactly but holy shit that's stupid <laughs> yeah i mean like i get it she's like i said she was drinking like you know but you have to look at the situation. Yeah. This is a child. Yeah, yeah. Their parent just died. Yo, and even if it's not a child, don't. Yeah, right? <laughs> Holy shit, dude. Yeah, because 
No, say that. But no, like I totally agree because like I definitely I get a lot of people because like I make these jokes all the time, you know, like in person and stuff, and even on Facebook, and people will be like, uh, "That's not funny. Don't joke about that. That that's not a joking matter." And I'm like, "Your parents are both alive and well. How are you gonna tell me that I'm not allowed to joke about that? Like this is my situation." Well, it's a big it's a big disconnect that. I think people who are sort of familiar with comedy and people that aren't familiar with it have is like, I think people that know comedy know that a big function of it is laughing at the worst things. Yes. And they, uh, the people that are familiar with it know the power that it has right. and what it can do for people, what it's done for us. Yeah. But people who haven't, who don't know that and haven't registered that probably the people that are commenting on your things and saying you shouldn't be joking about this probably have suicide adjacent to them right. maybe their parents aren't dead but people just don't register that jokes are not these the jokes that you're making aren't at, at the expense of other people who right. have killed themselves Absolutely. you're not saying that ha 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 dead right. people yeah. it's it's your own way of grieving exactly. and your own way of dealing with it yeah but if it's hard to explain that to somebody who doesn't um isn't familiar with it yeah no i i completely agree because like it makes me wonder because how long have you been doing your set on child molestation so the first set that i ever did was molestation okay and that was which is weird to think about but came out came out super hot <laughs> and fortunately it went well it was at this place called the stand in new york city which oh, is awesome. no longer there it closed down but it was this really nice spot and it was like i remember it it was the people like weren't really sure if i was serious and it was like it was that joke that i mentioned it, the the oh right 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 yeah yeah uh so i don't even remember the other things that i said i kind of blacked out but i remember saying that joke and i remember people laughing and then the host came up after and was like because i said it was my first time yeah. and you know how like if you say it's your first time everybody's like yeah like right. everybody will support you That's and cool. stuff so fortunately it went well but because if it hadn't, <laughs> dude, that would have been a tough one to come back from. But it went well, and so I'm I'm at uh, I'm coming up on two years. Okay. And uh, I I thanks, man. I I love it. I've never. It probably it was like three months of like eating shit constantly, and like not knowing how to present the material and I it was like three or four months in I that watermelon joke happened okay and so then I was like okay I have a way to introduce this yeah and then a couple of guys who had seen me do an open mic uh Chris Maraboli and uh Brandon Ryan who are the fucking homies if they're out there they've got a podcast as well that you should check out called the adult babies show or maybe it's just adult babies and they might have changed the name. But these guys were so incredibly supportive of me. And they put me on a show about four months in that was in Long Island. And eight minutes, eight minutes set. And it was like one of the top nights of my life. And awesome. once that happened, I was like, I want to do this, this all the time. Yeah. But listen, man, I'm honored that you feel like you felt like sharing all of that yeah, and it's inspiring to see somebody go through so much and come out on the other side and you're still processing just like me we we both are and and it's forever but 
talking about it and, 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 you know, I didn't, my parents are alive, fortunately, but just hearing your story makes me, it, it opens up my mind towards this topic of suicide that I haven't really talked to people about. And it's extremely interesting to listen to and hearing what you've been through for anybody who's experienced suicide or has been adjacent to suicide or has been through any sort of trauma or has gone through nothing at all. Hearing about this stuff, I really think can help people. Yeah. And you know, like I like to believe that it will and that it does. Um, throughout my life, I've already, I've heard stories and, you know, people say, man, you know, because of your, your experience and maybe their experience isn't even the same, but like that I don't use drugs, you know, like just that alone. I've, I've heard people say like, because of you, like, I'm going to put it down. And it's like, you have no idea how good that feels. Especially (laughs) coming from a situation that could not be more conducive to using drugs. Right. Now in your life. Exactly. That's, that's, it's, it's cool to see that you don't have to be defined by the events that have happened to you. Absolutely not. And I think a lot of people get tied up in that though. They're like, well, you know, uh, my parents were pieces of shit. So that means I'm going to be. No. That means you now have a bar that has been set really low. So (laughs) it's like, get up, step over that line, move forward. You know, like if anything, they gave you the greatest gift of all. And that is low standards. Nobody (laughs) expects you to do shit with your life. So get up and prove them wrong. If there was like one thing that I could tell these people, you know, the, the people watching is like, don't fall into that. You know, don't fall into what everybody expects of you. Don't say, eh, it's easier. Bullshit. It's, it's not easier. It's not easy to have a shitty life. It's not easy to suffer every day. What's easy is to wake up and say, you know what? I'm going to love today. Why? Because I woke up. You know, I'm going to be the best version of myself that I can today because I can. I've got this tattoo on my arm. It's German. It says Heute und Morgen because no matter it means today and tomorrow. So no matter what happens in your life, you've got today. Start. Start over. Look forward to tomorrow. And that's when things are going to happen for you. That's great. I love that. It's it's. uh... Oh, man, dude, I couldn't agree more. Thinking about thinking about what other people think of you and what I've been trying to register recently is like the root of so much of my worry and anxiety is people who a lot of people who aren't even in my life anymore worrying about what they think and and worrying about how i'll be perceived and the thing is is like just as you are not thinking about them you're not spending all your time thinking about how shitty another person is they're not doing the same thing or they're doing the same thing you're doing everybody's worried about themselves nobody has time to worry about all this other stuff and so to just let it go and register that the people who love you and the people that care about you are going to be there regardless Regardless. it doesn't matter yeah and uh yeah just trying to wrap your head around the fact that like Nobody is thinking about you as much as you think no. they are. <laughs> I think one of the hardest things for me to, to realize in life was that like once you stop caring what everybody else thinks, your quality of life increases you know, tenfold because oh, yeah. you wake up for you. You don't wake up for somebody else. You don't wake up and be like, well, how's so-and-so going to think? Yeah, oh, yeah. If I talk about this, is it going to offend them? Is it going to make them sad? Is it, you know, is this still a, a touchy situation that doesn't make me and my family look bad? Do I, you know, it's like, 
who cares? Yeah. This is you. This is your one life. Yeah, yeah. Go and live it to its fullest and don't worry about what anybody else has to say or think. Because at the end of the day, you know what? You're going to wake up in the morning and you're going to say, this is me. And no matter what anybody else says, they are not going to change that unless you allow them to. I love that. That's, oh man, we could just end the pod right there. <laughs> Some inspiration. <laughs> I, uh, life is cooler with AC. I want to ask, um, one more thing. I mean, I could fucking talk all day to you about this, but what would you, for people that might be going through something similar or people that may go through something similar in the future or whatever it may be, what, what would you say to, to them in terms of making it out? If you, it depends upon what situation you're in. Okay. So this is a hard one. This is a hard question to answer. So I've been on two different sides of this coin, you know, but this coin has a lot of sides because suicide is not one dimensional, you know? Of course. So, um, with my parents, it was like, especially my dad, it was like, how do I stop this? You know, what can I do? You know, what can I say? What should I have said? Should I have stayed home? Should I have let him walk me to the bus stop? Mm. It was always my fault, no matter what I did. So you have to realize that if somebody did that, it wasn't your fault. They couldn't be changed. You know, that was their decision and it was their decision to make. You just have to hope that you did the best you could to let them know that you were there in the meantime. So if you know somebody who's struggling with this, you have to reach out, you know, uh, actually, you know, because you watch my show, I did an episode on suicide mm -hmm. and, uh, I got a message the next day from one of my friends and said, dude, I just want you to know that I was thinking about ending it. But because of your video last night, I'm reaching out to you now. Like incredible. One of the, the greatest feelings you can ever get is knowing that you are the reason somebody is still breathing, you know? So you have to be there for people. Like, even if it seems like a nuisance, even if it seems like, you know what, maybe this person's just, you know, like trying to get attention, then fucking give it to them, you know? Cause they're hurting. Like mm -hmm. you can't see that kind of pain, you know? You can walk around all day long and smile and look at Robin Williams. There's a comedian. We can both relate to that. Funny as hell. Nobody knew he was hurting. Oh yeah. You know? So you, you have to, when people show those signs, you have to be there. But then if you, if you're the one having these thoughts, these situations, fortunately I've never been there. I, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, you know, for not have ever being there because of the situation, but I haven't, you know, I've never thought about giving up, but I know that people do and it doesn't make them wrong. It doesn't make them bad. It means that life, life's hard. Shit gets tough and it gets tough, tough for all of us. And you have to understand that. So you have to reach out. If you're having these thoughts that scare the shit out of you, reach out, find someone you trust. If you don't trust anybody, or if you are afraid of people, how people are going to judge you, there's, there's hotlines for this shit. Call me, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. like send me a message. I don't care. I'll talk to anybody. You know, life is too valuable. Life is too fragile. You know, you, you can't let people who are hurting and especially people who are reaching out to go unnoticed, you know, because at the end of the day, that is our responsibility. Just like what we were talking about earlier. We're all a team, man. You know, you, you got to help these people. You just, you need to be able to have that outlet you know, and whatever it is, comedy, you know, maybe your outlet is writing music. Yeah. Maybe your outlet is building something. You've got to find something like, especially when you're in that, because I've been depressed. Um, something that is kind of, uh, 
odd is so my song to my mom was numb by Lincoln Park. Lincoln Park, Park baby. Right? So um, when Chester died, Chester hung himself just like my mom. Mm. Talk about opening a window of shit that I had no fucking idea that was in me. That released all these emotions that I didn't know how to deal with. I spiraled into this depression for weeks, didn't want to get out of bed. And not because of Chester, not because of my mom, but because of things I had never dealt with, you know? Like, I've always been just a, eh, kind of guy, you know, shrug it off, you know? Like, it is what it is. But, like, when that happened, I don't know what the situation was, but, like, something clicked in me where I was like, I can't take this, you know? Like, I just want to sleep all the time. I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to go to work. I don't want to talk to anybody. And fortunately for me, and... Um, like I said, I, I've never had any thoughts of suicide or anything, but I, I've had the, the thought of just not wanting to wake up and, you know, do the day to day. So I have a niece, Athena, which is my brother's uh, daughter, and I was watching her every day. So she made me get out of bed because you can't let a, a one year old run around the house and sleep all day. You yeah. know, it doesn't work that way. So her and I started listening to Lincoln Park all the time. And her favorite song was it was actually off of. Um, off of the new album, One More Light. Talking to talking to myself. That was her favorite song. Like anytime I'd come on my phone, she'd go, <gasps> yeah, yeah. and then you know, like she'd start dancing to it and everything. So like I think that like seeing that, seeing the joy that people could still have, you know, especially in the innocence of a child, you know, like it just it, it brought me back out of that. So you need to find that thing that makes you tick. And that is really what's going to save your life at the end of the day. But it's there. You just got to find it. And I know it's hard as fuck to get out of, out of bed and to, to find it. Fortunately, I was forced to find it. It found me, you know. But I'm sure it always is as long as you're looking. I love that. Wow, we could just call it right there. There it is. Ladies and gentlemen, if you made it this far on the podcast, we thank you. We appreciate your time. And uh, Alex, it's been an absolute pleasure having yes, you on the podcast. Thank you. And uh, I, uh, I hope that anybody who's feeling any sort of way, like Alex said, reaches out. People love you and uh, people care about you. You're not alone. Alex loves you. I love you. See, I don't ever say it. I said it for you. Today. We did it. Check him out on Life is Cooler with AC. And his stand-up is on YouTube. And, yeah, thanks for watching. Thanks for being here. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. Anytime, my dude.